1: For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net.
0: So, Mr. Davis, let's start ourselves off with some tech gumbo today. I'm ready. We're going to begin with news and updates the so what we know always do on our first segment. Talking about Twitter is finally going to allow you to edit your tweets.
1: Yes, but they're being very specific about it. It is only a few times. It's not limited editing. And it's also within the first 30 minutes that the tweet was posted. Their intention is very specifically so that you're catching grammatical errors, spelling mistakes, punctuation, or if you want to add an extra tag or something like that. But they were very clear that they wanted to avoid the scenario wherever someone tweets something and it goes viral and it's popular and people have liked it and commented and all of a sudden they change it to something different so they definitely don't want that and these changes very clearly reflect that
0: and you also have to be using twitter blue the paid subscription the four dollars and 99 cents per month to get that edit button for those of us who don't want to pay the four dollars and 99 cents per
1: month you just got to delete the tweet and move on. Redo it. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of common users are going to end up doing. But I think if, you know, you're someone who your brand is Twitter or you're a high profile company or you're a celebrity or something like that, you know, I could see them saying, oh, this is a business expense and, you know, we're doing this. Uh, that makes sense. And, and I think. Again, that's in line with how Twitter wants this to be used. And honestly, I don't get why it's taken them so long to implement this. This is a feature that Reddit has had for a very long time. And you can also see the edit history. So it's not like it was that technologically complicated. And the the limitations of a 30-minute window... Also, doesn't feel like it really took them that long. Maybe you had to have a meeting or two to settle on this, but it feels like they could have done this in 2015 and this could just be standard. They could
0: have done this in 2009 when they launched. I mean, it this is editing a digital text is nothing new at
1: all. Yeah. And and even like the concerns about okay, showing the edit history, like again, that's not that hard to do, it's really not. And so, I'm I'm glad that they're implementing this, but it very much feels like a it's, you're just getting around to doing this and you're putting it behind the paywall. Like, I get you have to monetize in some way, but I don't know. It's, My guess okay. is
0: they they start behind the paywall like this, and realize, oh yeah, this is pretty silly.
1: Let's just roll it out to everybody and be done. Well, the they could be saying that not enough people are using the the paid subscription and they have to put stuff on the on the other side of the paywall in order to get people to motivate people over there. Because this this could be the first feature where I see a, a generic user actually saying, Oh, you know, okay. You know, I like a person who tweets a lot and says, Oh, you know, I would like the ability to edit tweets instead of having to delete and retweet them. Okay, that's something that uh, an average person might consider interesting as opposed to some of the other features, which are more focused at a broad uh, type of user.
0: I think it's kind of silly that you've you've given everybody 15 years of using Twitter and it's free And Yes, there are ads everywhere. Make it simple. Don't continue to try and make it complex and just roll it out and, and move on. I agree. So Tesla has decided to sue the state of Louisiana because Louisiana Automobile Dealers Association had a law passed several years ago that says you cannot, as an auto manufacturer, sell directly to consumer. You have to go
1: through a dealership. I remember whenever this law was passed back in 2017, I remember us talking about it at the time. And that we were critical of it then because it doesn't really appear to be a good reason as to why you have to have this in place. If you're a person who wants to go to a dealer, you like that comfort, you have that relationship, by all means, continue to go to your automobile dealer. But if you know what kind of car you want and you want to just go and you hit buy and have it delivered to your front door... I don't see why we need to have that band.
0: I agree. I mean, this is not the 1950s where you had to go down to the Chevy dealer or to the Ford dealer because they they had where the cars came in from the factories. This is – we live in, in, in the day of Amazon where you point and click and buy and stuff is shipped to you. And you don't have to go to the big department stores to get a shirt anymore. It just comes directly to you and so to have this arbitrary law that says i've got to go through a dealership and and look if you want to go to a dealership by all means there's a lot of good reasons to buy a car from a dealership service being one after the sale and all of those kinds of things and and being able to go and shop and drive the car around and all that that stuff but hey if I know I want a Tesla 3 and I want it to be blue,
1: there's not a lot of other options. Yeah. The, now, the interesting thing about Tesla's specific strategy here is that they're suing, claiming that the Louisiana Automobile Dealers Association and members of the Motor Vehicle Commission uh, and other dealerships conspired to bring the current laws and regulations into place that's gonna be much harder to pursue legally. Uh, I'm not a legal expert, I'm not gonna be able to tell you you know, what that process looks like, but they're arguing that it violates antitrust laws, that it's protectionist, anti-competitive, and inefficient. And again, while all those things might be true, proving them in court in Louisiana feels
0: hard. Yeah, if the Dealers Association wants to, they can jump up and say, we we didn't conspire. We lobbied to make it, to get it passed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We wrote the
1: bill. I mean, if that is what happened. Okay. It's very common for lobbies to write bills, hand them to legislators, and have the legislator pass the bill virtually unchanged. I don't like that practice. I think it's bad, but it's very legal and very common And so if Tesla thinks that's their avenue to win in court, they must have some other stuff up their sleeve. Or this is just a shotgun approach and they're trying it anywhere and everywhere to see what they can. But I I don't know. I, I would be surprised if this ended up working. I agree. Moving along. Janet Jackson's
0: Rhythm Nation, which was a cool song, by the way. It turns out when you played that song loud enough back in the day, it would crash hard drives.
1: Yes, I I cannot imagine being the first engineer to find this because my guess is that he was having a rough day um, as to why did his computer just start crashing And then to have to sit there and work backwards and work backwards because apparently it took them to realize that it was not just crashing all of their machines, it would also crash machines running nearby. And whenever it happens the first time, you have to think, oh, my God, what is happening? But then you take a deep breath and you start to think a little bit harder. And my guess is that's whenever they started to realize that it was something about the sound that was happening and not the file itself. And so ultimately they realized that the song plays at a very specific frequency, which caused the hard drive to resonate and warble and ultimately crash. And
0: it was very specific, the 5,400 RPM hard drives, so that those discs, when they were spinning inside, they would start wobbling which would cause the head that reads all of the drives to start bouncing as as well. And once those heads start bouncing, that's it, your your drive is crashed, it's party over, you reboot your computer kind of thing. And God, it just had to have been so frustrating to play a popular tune and have it bring everybody to their knees.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and so apparently also they went back and added some protections for this. And my guess is that they looked around at a lot of resonant frequencies and added some resonant frequency protections. You can, you can once you know what the problem is, you can go back and prevent it from happening. But yeah, my guess is that there was some poor person just sitting there and having a rough day, wanted to listen to Janet Jackson, and all of a sudden his computer was just going down and he had no idea what was happening. That would have been funny.
0: What wasn't funny was LastPass got hacked. However, no passwords were stolen. No, nobody's data was in
1: any kind of jeopardy whatsoever. So, that's a good thing. Yeah, the company uh, adds that they don't recommend any action on behalf of users or administrators. They do just generally recommend multi-factor authentication. But that's just something they broadly recommend that it's not in any way related to this specific breach. And that's in a large portion because of how LastPass stores data. It's all encrypted on their end. And then you hold the master password locally on your device only. And so if someone were to, to get into the treasure trove of data at LastPass's central servers, it'd all be gobbledygook and the key sits on your phone. And so since they didn't get into people's specific phones, it doesn't mean anything.
0: And or PCs for those of us who don't like using phones, internet searches and things. We still highly recommend using LastPass or any other password manager, instead of writing passwords down and taping them to the underside of your keyboard or put them in a drawer next on your desk or something, get a password manager, please. Oh, absolutely.
1: And if anything, this shows the strength of LastPass that everyone either has been or will be hacked. And the fact that they can be hacked and not have vulnerable data leaked is an important sign of their strength and resiliency as a company. This should increase faith in them and not decrease faith in them. Absolutely. As it turns out,
0: NASA has now They've got Voyager 1 talking to it again. Voyager, which is on its way out there to becoming a Star Trek movie a couple hundred years from now, is 14.6 billion miles away, speeding away from Earth at 38,000 miles an hour, but had a little problem calling home.
1: Yeah. So what was happening here is that all of these sensor data was still sitting back properly. But the telemetry data was just sent back junk. Uh, it took them a while to figure it out. They realized that an old computer, which had stopped working, started working again, and that's it. It wasn't ready. The system wasn't ready for that, and so that's what the error was. But the fact that this thing is 45 years old and 14 billion miles away. And it's still working. It's still sending data. It's still doing what it was designed to do. That's just science fiction to me. This is wild that it's still going. And they expect it to still go for years. Just the fact that it
0: it really can communicate back to Earth. It takes 22 hours for it to send a message back to Earth. And when we send a message to it, 22 hours to get to it. That alone is, that's how far away this thing is. It takes 22 hours. It takes 14 minutes to get a message to Mars. And it takes 22 hours to get to where Voyager 1 is. That is just amazing. But then also that they can still communicate with it. They had to go back in the archives to the archaic language from 1971 when it was launched to remember how to talk to it and type up some some code to say, hey, yeah, that second, you know, computer onboard computer. Ha ha, computer. Pushing bits around. Because it's not a big, you know, think about it. That whole satellite's not that big to begin with. And it had two computers on board or multiple systems on board. So the hard drives not that big because it didn't have a whole lot of the hard drives didn't weren't very big at all back then. How this thing is still talking 45 years later is amazing.
1: Oh, I I would love to go back and watch a documentary or, or some kind of special talking to those original engineers. At you know, what were they were they thinking that this could go 10 years, 20 years? How just thrilled are they that this thing has left interstellar space is now in deep space and is still able to sit there and work. That's just one of the coolest things we've ever done. And then it has the golden record on it with all the sounds and the symbols and the images. This is just one of the coolest things that I think, you know, obviously NASA has done a a lot of very cool things and it's hard to like rank them like that. But I, I think the Voyager is just such an underappreciated mission for the things that it's done. And the fact that it's going to come
0: back in two to three hundred years as a Star Trek movie is just really cool when it shows up as V'ger. Yeah, we will get there eventually. Speaking of getting things eventually, you won't have to eventually wait on the new USB-C
1: when it, when it rolls out. So they are looking at USB 4 version 2, which can go up to 80
0: gigabits per second. And to try and put that into any kind of perspective, your internet coming into your house is probably doing maybe 500 megabits per second. Maybe you've got a gigabit throughput. you got one gigabit throughput coming to the house, but probably somewhere between 300 and 500 megabits megabits as in 1,000th of a gigabit, and then multiply that by a factor of 80, the limitation is not going to be your (laughs) USB-C
1: cable. Yes. It's also your limitation might be your understanding. One of the things which they're working on is that the wire will be USB 4 version 2, but they're gonna stick with the naming convention of USB-C because USB-C describes the port on the end and because they want it to be as user-friendly as possible, because we had a bit of confusion about this whenever we were first talking about this, that they're gonna keep the USB-C name because ultimately that describes the shape of the thing that goes into the other thing. It's all gonna continue to be USB-C, but you'll just notice you know, in the next, in a few coming years, that this will start to, currently you're at 20 gigabits. The next one to come out will be 40. And then within a few years, you'll see 80 gigabits. And that is just mind blowing. And the best part is, is it'll, it'll still be the same ports. You won't have to change out everything. It'll only be changed out whenever you feel like it, not you have to
0: and it's really all about the wire, and your computer over time is going to change out and be, be adapted, and, and the wire across your motherboard. Your USB-C
1: is not going to be your bottleneck. Oh, absolutely. And it, it won't be for a very long time. Well, That's the cool part here, is we started talking about the way that speeds are increasing, the way that Ethernet speeds are, maybe that's becoming your bottleneck. With the we talk about the new wi-fi standards that's how fast some of them are getting it really is it's tough to comprehend how fast some of these are going and you know we talk about how you're getting to the point where we don't generate enough data to really use it that i can only watch video in 4k but even 4k videos really don't push the limits of these cables or don't push the limits of the newest Wi-Fi specifications. At that point, when you get to 18 or 16K, it doesn't even matter anymore.
0: We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the Southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at
1: geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 273 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast, available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.